Good morning, Southeast Minnesota, and welcome to our first episode of Today in Agronomy. Allie, co-hosting here. Kind of an exciting morning for us. Yeah, thanks, Josh. It's great to be here. Excited to bring agronomy to our listeners across Southeast Minnesota. Yeah, so we got a great show, so I think we're going to kind of kick off here and take a little bit of a look at the 2019 crop, Allie. Uh, certainly, it's been a an up and down season, a lot of challenges along the way. But I think first off, you know, why don't we just take a look at some of the season stats, starting with some GDUs. Yeah, like you said, so we'll start with GDUs. Always nice to take a look back at where we've been to where we are. Um, so we just ran the GDU accumulation from May 1st through the 1st of October. And we'll just generalize the area across southeast Minnesota. So we're sitting somewhere between 2350 and 2550 GDUs across southeast Minnesota. We also want to piece in maybe where we sit precipitation-wise. So we were across the area somewhere between 25 and 45 inches of accumulation. Now, if we start to pair together GDUs and where folks sit precipitation-wise, that's when we start to look at, you know, maybe some areas had their corn drying down a little bit quicker than others. And I think you certainly want to take a peek at where you sat GDUs compared to how much rainfall you had, because we certainly had areas, um, pockets with more GDU accumulation, that paired with areas that maybe had quite a bit more precipitation, it can cause some interesting things um, come corn drying down time. But basically, long story short, I think when we just look at this growing season in general, we're one month short one month behind and then with this cold and snow it makes it feel like winter is one month too early yeah it certainly felt that that way as we've been out doing plots and, and being in the fields Allie so kind of shifting gears we'll look take a look at soybeans here first and Allie every year across southeast Minnesota we do a lot of replicated trials where we get a lot of locations of the same products and just looking at some historical trends Allie you know looking at back to when we started doing this back in 2014 that was actually our lowest average of soybean yields 58.4 uh, we maxed out in 2016 at 69.8 average looking at our 2019 data still got a little tweaking to do to that looks like we're going to land at around 61.3 so looking back at the growing season alley what are some of the things that stands out from a soybean crop standpoint so i might on soybeans just start with our disease pressure overall and i think as we came into this later in the growing season we certainly expected to see a lot more disease pressure than we actually did just considering the conditions that we planted into earlier this spring extremely challenging a lot of compaction Um, but in general disease pressure was pretty low. The one thing I think that we maybe pair in with disease pressure this year is just the fact that if folks were timing their fungicide applications on beans um, really nice this year, right around that R3, there was a really nice return on investment there. Um, When you move into yields in general, I think expectations across the board were exceeded. Um, And coming into this harvest season, I think we were a little bit leery of where we we were going to be sitting compared um, to the norm. But I, I would argue that as you get east of 52, um, yields were a little bit better, um, just in terms of maybe hit those planting windows a little bit better, better overall drainage in general. To the west, um, plant height was just a little bit shorter. We had a hard time getting that canopy closed, um, and certainly just some more drainage issues there in the month of August, extremely dry compared to other areas of southeast Minnesota. But in all, you know, like I said, definitely very pleasantly surprised with where we we landed yield wise on beans another just exciting not exciting topic on beans necessarily but (laughs) i think you know um insect pressure in beans this year was just a topic of conversation that came up over and over so some newer insects coming in whether it be thistle caterpillars or gall midge um josh i didn't have any examples of folks that had any um 
thistle caterpillars at a, at a threshold that required any action. I know you had a few different situations, but those are both topics that we hope to just dig into a little bit deeper, um, being that they're newer pests in our area. So that's kind of my overall take on, on soybeans this year. Yeah, it was definitely a unique year, and, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there with some of the challenges we saw. And looking at Corn Alley, um, kind of a similar, you know, maybe conversation to soybeans, some, you know, maybe yields exceeding expectations in some areas, maybe not in others. Uh, looking at historics, you know, we bottomed out in our, our replicated set 2014 at 198.8, uh, topped out at 237.1 in 2017. Uh, looking at 19, I think we're going to land around 217.8, give or take a little bit. So kind of our second consecutive year that we've maybe seen that replicated set come down. And that seems to be mirroring some of the things we're seeing in the field as well. Well, let's just start with two as we came into harvest a little bit earlier in the season just knowing that we got into the field a lot later in a lot of cases this year, we were concerned about where we were going to be sitting in terms of frost exposure and corn moisture wise. And if we look at generally where we were the most exposed for that early frost, it'd be in that 14th of September through the 1st of October range. So we did have a high probability, say two out of three year likelihood of having that early frost. So we did luckily make it you know, for the most part out of that window in pretty good light, which is nice to see. Um, I think in general, when we look at how did your corn hybrids perform, it does come back to where did you land GDU-wise as we came down to the finish line. So those hybrids that were sitting in that 2,400 to 2,500 GDU range really finished really, really well. Um, maybe some products that required more GDUs than that coming down to the finish line, they might not have quite made it. And those seem to be the products, our later products that seem to plateau just because GDUs seem to keep, keep them from reaching their full yield potential. Another thing on corn, I think we, we've been talking more and more about a fungicide response on corn in years past, and it's been another year where we've been seeing a really nice response to a fungicide application on, on corn. I don't know about your area, Josh, but to the west of 52, we've seen anywhere from a 20 to 30 bushel um, positive response to having that fungicide application. And in situations where we didn't put a fungicide on some of those corn acres, um, there was some disease pressure that definitely took advantage of those acres and, and dinged people pretty significantly. So that's my overall take on corn. Anything to add there, Josh? Yeah, and I think around that fungicide thing, Allie, you know, certainly when you look at a season that got short, we were needing some some GDUs on short days, and I think stay green, take, being able to take advantage of that sunlight and solar radiation uh, definitely is what put a lot of those bushels in the tank uh, when we look at those response. So uh, when we roll into break here, coming out of break alley, we'll dig in a little bit more around some fall planning and looking ahead to 2020. And on uh, some future episodes, we'll take a look at some more of these agronomic factors that really drove yield in 2019. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. <music> 